So the big question is this, are you tired of the hustle and grind of fix and flip? Do you really think you can wholesale your way to success? What you really want is a cash flowing portfolio that lets you live a life of freedom, sunsets and palm trees on your terms. But what if you're stuck because you have no capital, no time and no idea where to start? That ends now. Your host, Corey Peterson, is a rags-to-riches real estate millionaire who started out with no money or credit and quickly grew a portfolio of cash-flowing apartments. Not to mention, he did it all with other people's money. You're only one deal away from creating the cash flow life, and the Multifamily Legacy Podcast will show you how. So now, here's your host, the big kahuna, Corey Peterson. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Multifamily Legacy Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Peterson. We have got a another amazing show for you today. I've got my good friend, Tamar Mar, who has an incredible story on how she started in this wonderful thing called multifamily investing. And it's really unique. She went from corporate America. She said, screw the boss. Did I just give the <laughs> finger? I think I, I think did. you did. That's Okay. <laughs> So it's your show. It's my show. <laughs> but screw the boss, and I'm going to do it my way. And so uh, with that said, Tamar Mar, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. You know, this is exciting. We were talking before we started this thing about kind of your journey, and it is really neat. And it follows the line, I think, of most successful investors. Like when they they get to a point where they're ready to commit to something different. And I, I, you've not shared the whole story with me. So I want to get into the trenches with you and okay. just have you share with the audience of who you are and what you've done and this incredible journey that you're on right now. I would love to. I think stories are so powerful. They have a great way of communicating vision to other people and inspiring others towards greatness. And, um, yeah, I think I have this tagline that I like to say about my story, which is I was really keen on becoming the CEO of my own dreams. So I had been the um, COO for a few different companies, one on Wall Street and one here locally in Seattle for about five years. And while I really loved other people, helping other people to grow their businesses, there was a point about four years ago where I thought, you know, if I can help other people do this, I can do it on my own. And so I knew I wanted to start my own business. And that's where our investing journey really started taking off, my husband and I. And we started investing in single family houses on auctions, sight unseen. But about a year, almost two years ago, it was two years ago this month, December, I um, had a conversation with somebody and I just realized that I was really done being the CEO of somebody else's dreams. And I didn't want to move up in the corporate world. I just wanted to do it for myself. And so that was kind of this point. And I had been in the process of um, transitioning into also investing in different businesses in addition to running businesses. Right. And so I made a decision to leave my job. And I bought a company with my cousin, a, a high-end specialty fitness equipment retailer, um, which we have now transitioned ownership back over to him recently. So I can focus fully on multifamily. But right after that, so in, in March of 2017, I made a decision that I was going to start a multifamily syndication business because I knew that I was not going to reach my goals fast enough by investing in single family. We had like four or five doors and we were using our own money. We were using... Um, 
uh, our HELOC to invest in those. So, you know, if you're buying one of those at a time, it takes six to 12 months before you can refi out of those and rinse and repeat. And I thought, I'm going to be like 80 before I can retire. <laughs> that is not going to work for No bueno. No bueno. So I think the thing that's really different is I didn't do this as a hobby. I said very specifically, I'm starting a multifamily syndication business. So I got my name for my company. I set up a marketing plan and I really started getting to work and telling everybody on the face of the earth that I knew and that I didn't know and just started networking like crazy. I said, this is my plan. So within six months, I'm going to buy my first multifamily asset. Oh, and- hold on. I got to stop you there for just a minute because I want to make sure I just stress that point. Yes. I mean, that is really cool. So if any people that are listening, take it like you like said specifically, I, I am not, I'm going to try, I'm going to figure it out or like, I want to, you committed to the process and you said, I am. Yes. And then once you do that, it sounds like all of a sudden you started giving yourself these lists of things that you needed to, to accomplish in order to move the ball. That's exactly what I did. And I believe in telling everybody that you know about what it is that you want to do. And I think there's some And then you shared. Yeah, you shared. Yeah, and some people agree with that and some don't because they're maybe scared to share their goals. Like, what if it doesn't happen? I might be embarrassed. What if people poo-poo it because they think- Oh, people are going to poo-poo on it. That's exactly what's going to- And it's always the ones closest to you. I know, totally. But I didn't care about that. And so, yeah, I just started talking to people. And within two months, I actually had my first multifamily property under contract. And then just to give a quick fast forward, and then we'll go back through all the details. After closing on that one, four months later, I closed on another one. And since then, I've closed on two more. So I've bought four apartment complexes in in a period of about 16 months. And um, I'm on the goal for 2019 to acquire at least 150 doors. So uh, maybe two to three more complexes and then keep growing after that. So I'm having a blast with what I'm doing. It's super fun. Yeah. Now that is, so that's an amazing journey. Now, so people that listen to my podcast, right? So I always talk about buying these bigger deals, right? And a hundred unit pluses. But the truth is you do not have to start there. Right. No, um, you you're doing um, what's what's the average size of your units that you're buying right now? So to start off, I did a 15 unit and then a 16 unit and then 26 and 56. And it kind of depends on the market because the prices are different. All the markets. So my 56 was only 1.475 million, but my 26 unit was 2.35 million. And so I wanted to ramp up in a um, organic enough way and a pace which I felt comfortable because I'm, I'd made a decision that I'm not building this massive team. I'm doing it on my own. I'm doing it with yeah. our own net worth. And so it's exactly how I teach it. Totally. And so I, I wanted to take dollar right here. Yeah. Yeah. Just take small steps upward. And the more properties you get as you grow bigger, then you have, you have the capacity to do that because of your experience with the type of loans that you're going to get, you know, working with your whole team, having the balance sheet that can back up what you're going to do. Um, and just having the confidence too. Like, I didn't feel like I wanted to jump into 150 unit right at the beginning by myself. Cause I was like, how am I going to raise the money? I want to have build up confidence that I can raise 350,000. And then the next one was bigger and the next one was bigger. And at some point I was able to raise like $1.2 million in, uh, it was like overnight. I did it. It was like literally overnight. I raised that much. Yeah. It was a good feeling. So I think 
yeah, that's a great point is don't feel like you have to do something big because anything that you do that's success, it's going to build off of those successes and then give you the confidence to give you the confidence and skill set to move up to reach bigger goals. Right. Amen to that. That's well put. I mean, so many people come into this game. Um, Now, what I've found too is right now everybody believes like there's a trend in the marketplace right now where like multifamily and cash flow and apartments is the new sexy. Yeah. And I always say now that's good and bad. It's good and bad because there's a lot of what I call stupid money coming to town. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Santa's coming to town, but it's not the Santa that we're thinking of. Right. <laughs> no. And um, and but <laughs> and uh, I, just, I can't help but think of the elf, the scene in elf where he's like, Santa, Santa yes. <laughs> and I, I always say they're, they're buying properties right now that probably they shouldn't be buying or they don't really know what they're doing. And as interest rates rise and things happen, if they sniff wrong, they're going to be in trouble. And I think there's going to be opportunity for that. So I don't, I I like it that there's lots of attention in this space, but also it's because single family is hard. Single family is hard right now. Yeah. It's really hard. It wasn't back in like 2009 where you could throw a dart and hit a deal, but now people are, margins are so uh, extremely tight. And people are marketing and spending marketing dollars like crazy Mm -hmm. to find motivated sellers. Yeah. And so that's, I, that's why I love the multifamily for you, for your, tell me your experience right now finding deals. How do do you do it? Well, gosh, I mean, just I'm back into acquisition mode because I closed on two complexes, one at the end of August and one at beginning of October. So I wanted to work on stabilizing those. I'm back in acquisition mode. And as soon as I said, then I just reach out to all of my contacts that know that I can deliver. And so I have a couple of key brokers that I work with. I don't spend advertising dollars. I don't waste my time marketing. I have, um, I'm a busy mom. I have my own podcast. I homeschool two out of three of my kids. I love cooking. I like playing a lot. And so I'm going to spend time on what I think is going to be the most bang for my buck and have other people do that. So there's the brokers out there that they spend the advertising dollars. So you know what? Treat them really well. Have a great relationship with them. Take them to lunch. Take them to dinner. Time out again, dude. You're hitting all my favorite buttons. (laughs) And we didn't even talk about this. This is great because I always, this is another one. Corey, don't you got a market to find apartment deals, right? No. No. No, you just said it. It's relation. You just said relationships. I did. I like people. I do. There's some, there's a few people that I don't like very much, but most of all, I really like people and I like talking to them and they like me back. So when you find good (laughs) ones, right. When you find good ones, like that's becomes friendships. Right. And then like, like you said, after you finish your deals, you go back to the pool and say, Hey guys, I'm ready for some new stuff. Send me some stuff. Yep. I let them know when I'm looking looking and when I'm not looking, I tell them what my criteria are. They know that I'm super stringent about underwriting and yeah, it does become friendships. I was just telling my husband that last night we were sitting at my son's basketball game and I was like, I just love like some of the emails that I throw back and forth with my mortgage broker and my, my real estate broker. Like they're just like, it's funny stuff sometimes. And you know, those are considered almost my coworkers because I'm on the road or by myself and those interactions become stuff that brings you joy. Like I don't want to work with people that are super boring. And the other part is that is when you can talk about something other than real estate. Yeah, totally. Yep. 
Mm-hmm. That's the key. Like, if we're not talking real estate, then we got we are friends. Yes, we are friends. Yeah, <laughs> talk about their family. Ask them about their boat. Ask to go out on their boat for heaven's sake. I don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah, go like go out. have fun. Yeah, have fun together and treat them well. So that's an important part for me. And just the past three weeks, I've been working on acquisitions, and I've put. Now, what in, does treat them well mean? Well. Like, be nice. Send them thank you cards. Yes. Uh, I send referrals like crazy. I have a couple of people that I'm really loyal to, and I send them referrals left and right. And they love that because Do when the they're successful, things. I'm successful. And when I'm successful, they are. So we just all help each other out, and it becomes a little ecosystem. Man, I got to tell you. So, and I, this, I'm going to say, like, women are way better at this than men. And I want everybody to see if my men are listening right now, listen to tomorrow. <laughs> Because it's little things, right? Yeah. This is like marriage 101. Because <laughs> we're, <laughs> yeah. we're talking about relationships here. And in relationships, when you care about somebody, you do little things. And I just yeah. heard you say it. I do these little things. And I do these little things. and But mm-hmm. that yields so much more than most people would ever imagine. Yeah. It's not purely transactional. In fact, another conversation I had this week with my husband was like, I've been referred to other brokers, like mortgage brokers, for instance, which again, I believe in using them instead of having relationships with a 80 banks myself, because yeah, that's just I use a mortgage broker always. Totally. And so I thought, you know, if I went with da, 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 then it would be, I feel like it would be so transactional because it's a huge company. And, and would I rather cheating. have, yeah, like it just, I don't know. <laughs> So, and you'll be cheating on your mortgage broker. <laughs> I know. I actually said that. This, I'm like, I feel like I would be cheating like that. Dude, not... It's loyalty, man. In this yeah. business, right? Once you get your right team where you, everybody knows each other, right? Yes. That's, yeah. It is a loyalty factor. And now I, I don't know about you. I mean, sometimes I like to have one of like two. I'm not like um, the old Mormon sec where I want to have sex with everybody. I just want to have sex with a couple people. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I just want two partners. I want two mortgage brokers, two, uh, you know, like when they're doing servicing, I like to have just one and another backup, right? Yeah. For the yeah. reason of you want to be able to like make sure that you have good relationships. Yeah. That's what it's all about. For sure. Back to the deal finding. I was just going to mention something that has come up in the last couple of weeks here because I've put in quite a bit of effort to secure a couple of properties over the last few weeks and I lost out on one deal we thought they were going to say yes be- because we did, but they had a disagreement between the husband and wife who had owned this property for 20 years. And the husband was like, yeah, we can get this done for this price. That was way lower. And the wife who was way more involved, she was like, no, I really want like 700,000 more or something. And so that was one. I put in all this effort, lost out on it. And then there's a couple other deals I just lost out on. We thought we won this other bid on something. It was a great property had already been mostly renovated, which was great because I do a lot of value add deals. And sometimes those can be exhausting if you're doing a lot of them at once. Right. And, uh, and so then they were like, the broker came back and said, they took a higher offer and they, everything pointed to us getting it. And so this morning I was like, oh, I feel kind of tired because I've been putting in so much effort the last three weeks on all these deals. That was just two of them out of like four or five that I was working on. And the thing is, is that people are not willing to put in that effort because you get tired and then you're like, okay, back 
back on the saddle. Let's do it again. What else can I look at today? There's like no downtime for me. I'm like, I, it's not like I was disappointed at all. Cause I was like, okay, business move on to the next. Let's go. Let's find the next one. But a lot of people won't put in that effort to like, okay, let's get right back in the seat. Let's keep going. I'm tired. Uh, that was disappointing. I didn't get the deal, but I'm not going to blame anybody about it. Like, you know, it's just part of the business and the people who are successful are going to be the ones that continue to get back up, keep going, even though it feels exhausting and like you might not be getting anywhere. But the deals are harder to find right now. I'm fine. I'm sure everybody's finding, but sellers want way more than they, than the property's worth. And then like you mentioned, rising interest rates, I'm plugging in a much higher interest rate on my underwriting than I can actually get on a loan because who knows, by the time I close in 60 days, if I don't get that loan locked in, the price right at the beginning, my underwriting might be messed up by the time we close. So that is, that is words of wisdom there. mm -hmm. You know, we also like one of the things we do instead of uh, when we do in our tool, we will put a 25 year amortization schedule, even though we always get 30. Yeah. And it's just a little tweak. But it's yeah. like a nice little tweak that it just kind of gives you a little dry powder, right? Yeah. Because you never know what's going to happen. And especially right now with rising interest rates. That's yep. a great point that you make of persevering, right? Yeah, persevering. Uh, and, being, and hearing no, right? Because you hear it a lot, especially totally. right now, right? Yeah. You hear no a lot. And But I also tell other people no a lot. Because then there's the stuff that comes across my desk. And I say, no, I will. You want, I'm sorry, you want $4 million for that? I'll give you like 3.1. I might give you 2.7, but there's no way. And I'll just tell them flat out that you guys are, you're a little bit silly right now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Sometimes I think brokers get together like, hey, man, uh, what do you think we're going to list for? I don't know. Let's no, You know, that's not high enough. Let's go higher. You know? Yeah. And I call it the smoking crack pipe figure because most of them are on the crack pipe when they put together their performance. <laughs> I'm like, guys, let's just be sensible because, you know, oh, but and then they try to tell you. They try to tell you how it's a deal. Yeah. Yes. I saw a pro forma come across my desk yesterday with a 4.75 interest rate. Are you getting 4.75 on loans right now? None of that I got. Not no. even close. No. Five and a half. Yeah. Five and a half. That's what I'm, I'm underwriting with five and a half right now. I mean, I've had quotes back at like 5.2, 5.3, but on a smaller property that I just refied, it's under a million dollar loan. It's $850,000 loan for the refi. But I think we're paying 5.7 on that one because yeah. it's a local bank and it's yeah. non, it's full recourse. Yep. So we underwrite at five and a half. And then we, you know, we try to get the best in the market, but we underwrite to five and a half. Yeah. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, talk about that. Talk about your guidelines. So I, mean, I always feel like um, most people have um, a system or a guideline that they really, um, can you share any of your things that you really, you know, things are deal breakers or things that you really write underwrite to? Yeah, I think my underwriting is changing a tiny bit um, in the last couple of months, even just to prepare for some of the shift that we're seeing here. For instance, even just a year and a half ago when I was underwriting, my goal was to have 100% of member capital returned within the first five years. So between cash flow distributions and a refinance event. Well, and then an IRR, maybe up to like 18%. Well, it's really hard to find a deal where I'm looking with an IRR of 18% right now. So now I'm feeling more comfortable with 13 to 15% on an IRR. And that is um, 
I'm hearing that more and more across the nation. I follow the investing world. I'm everybody that's listening probably does as well. But even this morning, I was listening to a group that was putting together a deal. Their capital raise was eight and a half million. So it was a really big deal. And they were telling their investors to only expect back about 70% within the first five years, which that was the first time that I heard somebody else say that out loud, because usually we are trying to get back money to our investors fast. But the change now is that you might not be able to refinance in two or three years with the rising interest it, rates. It all depends because cap rates are going to rise, right? It and does, so that yeah. makes your value lower. And so you may, yep. you may not be able to get everybody out, right? Yeah. So and one so, of the things I'm doing in my, at least in my theorizing of what I want to put together in my marketing packages for my investor partners is I want to provide a couple of different scenarios saying, let's hold it for 10 years and see what happens if we hold it for 10 years. What does the returns look like for that? And what do the returns look like if we can get a refinance earlier? But just saying, these are a couple of different scenarios instead of coming up with one business plan that you say you're going to follow because no business plan ever plays out exactly how it's supposed to. So right. I like having some different options. Like I said, that I'm putting plugging in higher interest rates. One of the things that I do for rent increases is I always model out year one with existing rents. So I think sometimes people will plug in in year one, you can do all of these crazy rent raises when the reality is, have you been able to raise 100% of rents in three months or six I months think or it's, months? In fact, I, it goes down before it goes up. It right? totally does. Because yes. when you're doing rehab and fixing things, you're evicting all the bad pay, non-pay, slow pay, crap tenants, yeah. right? Yeah. And so occupancy goes down and yes. then you still have to do work. And then, and by, cause it's, it's really hard to get yeah. a rent increase. Yes. Especially and on a, on a, on a rehab. Especially on a, on a rehab. And it happens. It's just that it doesn't happen for sometimes, uh, I mean, until year two. Year, you till year two. So in year two, I will enter in the lower, the low average for the area of yes. today's so I'll look at what today's rents are. I'll find the low average and I'll plug that in for year two. So not what I think, okay, but 3% from now or 5% from now, whatever I think rents are going to go up, plug that in year two. I plug in what I think they would be today in year two. And that just gives me a little bit of extra breathing room to say, okay, I have some time to achieve this. I'm not projecting way higher than I think I'm going to. And it's that whole under promise over deliver. It's Dude, such a you cliche. hit the nail on the head. That is key number one to racing capital right? Yeah, is under promise. Because if you don't do that, if you try to put pie in the sky, like this thing's going to be so great. It's the best thing you ever invented. And if it comes up even just a little bit short, that's all they'll know. Yes. If you came up short. Yeah. And scenarios, like I said before, they always play out differently. And now that I have experience in that and rehabbing several buildings and seeing how that repositioning has played out, you know, I'll just give an example. So on my first acquisition, it was, it was a 15 unit. So it wasn't huge. It was $825,000. We thought, uh, so the rents were about $460 a door, but the market rent was about $700 a door. <laughs> Wow. So I thought, okay, we're going to raise the rent to not that amount, but let's just say like 625 or something across right. the board, see what happens. At worst case, five people are going to move out, you know, a third, 33% vacant. Well, that happened the first month. And then the second month, two more people moved out. And the third month, three more people moved out. So we had 10 out of 15 vacant, but I made the decision. Well, you know what? This is a great opportunity. I already raised some money to rehab the units. 
let's have some vacancy for a while. It means that it's going to be longer before we kick off cash flow distribution because we're pumping everything into these rehabs. Yep. It took, let's see, September, October, November, December, January. It took about six months to get all of that done and the tenants in there and 100% occupied. So on that, it was a year before we could pay out any cash flow distributions. But the beauty of it is now I'm able, I'm in the middle of a refinance for that one. And that will be after not even 18 months instead of the three years that I projected. So like the cash flow was different. The returns cash on cash has, are way less than what I projected. But at the same time, I'm getting back 65% of member capital within the first 18 months because of this refinance, which we couldn't have done if we hadn't rehabbed all those units and increased Yeah, that's that. beautiful, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. And really, and what you're saying too, there is... Sometimes, and Rich, especially in this marketplace, you have to be a little bit flexible. Yes. Right? Yeah. And it's it sounds like you've also trained your capital to be flexible. Well, I tell everybody that I wouldn't expect anything in a year. Like in my operating agreements, I have it so that we it's a minimum of six months before we do any cash flow distributions. But on all the properties that I'm purchasing so far, they are all value add repositioning sort of deals. And so I just say, just ex- don't expect anything back for a year. Okay. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, it just depends on how it plays out, but then we're going to get this thing performing and you know, I'm going to, I'm, I'm the fiduciary of your money. I'm going to take good care of it and make sure we're right. putting it to work in a great way. Yeah. Well, and that's, and what people, what I found too is, is capital, they'll under, as long as you're up front with them in the very beginning of what your structure is, right? Yeah. That is what they expect. Right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. so if you, if, and a lot of people, they try to think that they've got to pitch capital a certain, like, oh, I've got to give them this. I got to give them that. And then they end up hamstringing themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Because they become, they put themselves in a spot because they felt like they had to say all these things to get the money. And where the, the actual is the truth is where you just got to be honest and say, yeah. this is exactly how it works. Yeah. And this is my plan, right? Yeah. I also really love telling people about my mistakes that I've made. Like, yeah. I'll say, listen, I'm in this and I'm learning as I go. And every single deal that you do is entirely different than the other one. It might be that, oh, we're purchasing a building. That's about the same thing that happened between the two things. But there's so many different things that can happen in the middle of it. And I invariably make mistakes on every deal. So I just kind of say like, hey, this is stuff that has kind of gone different than what I thought it would, but this is what I learned from it. And this is how I'm now approaching those sort of situations differently in the future. And it's just going in my toolbox. One way to make me stronger now uh, is knowing that when something like that happens or just anticipating that a certain scenario can happen and having some plans and and backup in case I... Mm-hmm. Well, and when you find these deals too, so like, you know, you kind of, most of the time when you see a deal that you're going to buy, you're like, man, I think I have an idea of where I can take this. Right. Mm-hmm. And you're usually, you just said you based that one on, you had market rents of 700 bucks. You're like, we do the work and it may take us a little longer to do the work, whatever. And we're trying it. We want to do it. You know, theoretically you want to try to keep and do it and manage the rehab process. So you keep it as occupied as possible, but sometimes it just doesn't happen. Right. Right. Yeah. And so and like they all move out. Great. I guess we're, we have a construction zone now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the vision is still the same. It's like, we're still, we were always planning on doing the work and we know yeah. once we get the work done, now it's way more attractive and it will attract the type of tenant that wants to pay us 700 bucks. Yes. Right. And yep. that 
whole process, it takes a little time, but it takes vision and it takes someone like you to be able to see it. And a lot of, not, not a lot of people see that. Yeah. You know, I, I think um, I'm just going to share kind of a, an interesting scenario that came al- along the way too with, and it has to do with our partner expectations and giving returns back to them. So this refi that I'm working on, and it is my first refi for multifamily property. So it's um, a learning process. And since it's full recourse, oh my gosh, it's killing me slowly. It's such a painful refi. It's like horrible. But, <laughs> but um, you know, the bank came back and they said, oh, these are all of these post-closing conditions. And if for those of you who haven't gone through a refi or a big financing, that happens. Sometimes the banks will say, we'll give you this loan, but within 30, 60, 90 days, you have to get these things done. And we're going to come back and make sure that you get them done. So we had, um, like there's some concrete popping up on the steps, but you know, some uneven concrete and there's something with a couple of the decks and, you know, maybe a hole in a wall. Yes. Yeah. They want that stuff fixed. So I'm like, Oh man, that eats into the funds that I am going to give back to my investors once we get that from the bank. But then I say, okay, well opportunity, because otherwise we wouldn't have had the opportunity to fix it up and be nicer for our tenants. And I don't know, I haven't gotten quotes for those things yet. This just came through in the last day, but it's always the last day, right? Right before I want to give you the money. Oh, but here's some things. But in the, I think a lesson from that is I do monthly investor updates until a property is stabilized. And then sometimes I just go to quarterly if it's like super stabilized and, you know, right. We don't need to worry. There's nothing going on, but in just communicate that sort of stuff. So I'm just getting ready to send out something to my investors that says, Hey, we're almost done with this refi. This is giving us an opportunity to fix up the property even more. So just tell them what's going on and give them more information than less information. So they don't feel like they don't know what's going on. Cause that's right. the worst that can happen. And then they're not going to come back and do another deal with you. No, no. Yeah. You got to communicate always. Now who manages your properties? Property managers. <laughs> yeah. Not me. <laughs> no, I have, um, I feel that to be probably my biggest, the biggest thorn in my side is finding a good property management company. I just had coffee with a property manager friend yesterday who does, he has like 800 single family houses that they manage. And he's like, I know it's like picking the wor- the best of the worst, because it's so hard to find somebody that cares about your property as much as you do. Yeah. So I've had to switch property managers. That's another word for firing. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 <laughs> I've had to do that. And, um, and, and it can be for various reasons, but ultimately if they're, you know, taking too much time on something or not doing processes properly, that's going to protect you or spending too much money, meaning correctly, so much stuff. So something that I feel like I can improve on and working with them as being much more regimented and having a schedule every month of or week, every week of, I need to look at all of these reports regularly to see what's going on. And when you're working with property managers, some of them are more transparent than others as well. I don't know if you found that as well, Corey, but like you'll log on to an online portal for one of them and they're super robust and you can pull any report under the sun. And then you'll go to another property manager that uses One's using Yardi, one's using Rent Manager, one's using yeah. like some crap that does you can't get onto anything, right? I know. And all you can get is your monthly reports and you can't get a real-time rent roll. So you have to ask people for that. And, and you're so- always wondering like, where am I at? Do you know, what about your rehabs? Are you letting them do your rehabs or do you have another separate? Uh- I've, I've done it both ways. And um, 
I've had it be done where they've used in-house people to manage a, a rehab. I've had it done where they use external contractors to manage it. And then I've also... <laughs> I've also had it be where they started out helping and then I decided I was going to find my own contractors because things were Sometimes not going the way yeah. I wanted to. Yeah. So it depends on, I think, the market because I invest in several different markets. So it depends on your contracts, how well connected you are in the area and how confident you feel with the connections that you have versus the ones that they have and how well established your property manager is. Yes, yes. Well, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, because management is the break make or break part. Yes. Well, I mean, you find a good deal. That's, that's a lot of it, but then Mm -hmm. the fruition of it meeting where the rubber meets the road is to have the manager that can uh, screen the applicants and put them in and fill them and keep it filled up and keep the cash flow coming in. Right. Yep. Mm -hmm. And once you find that that's a tricky relationship because um, especially with what you're doing, you're doing smaller apartments where you don't really have the ability to have staff on site. Yeah. So you're truly relying on a manager, management company that has external staff that can help. And then they're going to go show your units, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A little yeah. more complicated, but at the same time, with the right management company, they can they can handle it. And then, and how much do you usually pay that in average, like percentage-wise, to manage those types of properties? For the size that I'm doing right now, it's usually six, six and a half percent. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And I've had to, I I negotiate down because they always start much higher than that. (laughs) So usually they start at eight or eight or like 10, 10 to nine. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Nine, eight, 10. Yeah. Paying you 10%. I'm sorry. (laughs) No. (laughs) So it's a, everything's negotiable and it's just how, how much are you willing to push on that stuff versus feeling like, okay, well, they said no. Well, when they say no to me, I say, why? What, like, how can we be creative with this? Like, let's yeah. find a contract that works out for, for both of us. So I do try to negotiate as much as possible. Well, that's, and you should, you should fight for every dollar that you, that you, you want to make, right? Yeah. If you can make it, that's more profit. I mean, yeah. we're in it for profit. Um, and some management companies are really good at feeing you to death. Yeah. There's a fee here, a fee there. I know. Um, and so you've got to like, I always say, this and it took me a long time to figure this one out. But when I started asking better questions to uh-huh. interview managers, is when I got better results. What are some of your favorite questions? Tell me about a time, right? I always say, "Tell me about a time." Like, uh-huh. tell me about a time that you had a fair housing complaint and it didn't go well. Oh. Tell me about a time when you had a pool inspection fail. Tell me about a time when you had. I I I mean, I tell them like because if they're experienced managers, yeah. they will have these stories. Yeah. And I want to know the details. Tell me about a time. Not yeah. if you did, but tell me about the time you had this. Yeah. And if they're there. And so then it, it lets them show you that they've a handled it before that they have a process. If they don't have a process for it, then I'm going to be like, Ooh, so you want to have a process for mine either. And when that happens. Right. Yeah. And so, uh, we have a whole list. Like that's one of part of our training is we we teach that is like uh, when you start asking better questions, you really you'll get a better manager, right? Just because yeah, um, you're you're also setting them up to let them know that you're not an idiot um, owner. Yeah. Right. Yep. Like, kind of been around the block a little bit. Um, yeah. I expect. Yeah. I have, I have high me. expectations. Yes. 
Right. And let's do it together. Like, let's make money together. But like, I'm not the idiot. I'm not the stupid money. You know, ho, ho, Santa's not coming to Christmas here. We're, we're here to make money. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> totally. Do you publish those questions somewhere, Corey? I want to see those questions. <laughs> I'll, send them, I'll, I'll just send them to you. Okay, good. <laughs> I have but, a list of questions that I ask, and uh, and I always like seeing what other people do because it just it goes back to the story of how has that helped you to be successful. And for me, I mean, that has been always my my biggest thing. Is that like I'm I always just like you. I, I I'm not. I mean, I barely made it out of high school. I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. Okay. Mm-hmm. I know this about myself, but what I really am good at is trying to find great people. Right. Yeah. And, and I've had like, but the truth is, is I've made a lot of mistakes. Right? Yeah. So as I keep making more mistakes, I've learned that like, Oh, I got to ask better questions because this uh-huh. crap ain't cutting it. I'm yep. a little frustrated with myself. on getting bad at, you know, results. And, but once I figured that piece out, I'm like, Oh, well, this is, really delightful. And I started getting way better procedures and processes because in that management space, all you're really buying is their procedures and their processes, right? Yeah. And how well they translate it to actual, like it where it works, like you're getting the rents. Right. Right. And so that's what you're trying to, you're trying to break it and test it before you buy it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Taken out for a little test drive. All right, so that's that was me giving a little teaching, but you know, listen, you've you've provided more value than I could ever thought of because, uh, you know, we didn't have this whole blown out discussion of how we were going to do our podcast today. No, and we weren't. It's turning out to be pretty dang awesome. <laughs> you ask good questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've got great stories, so I mean, and I still I skipped because I wanted to go back from your journey of how you, what, what really made you transition from single family? You kind of said it a little bit, but I, yeah. um, of from single family to multi, like what, what was the thing that changed that really said, I'm going to go here versus doing what I was doing? I, it goes back to not being able to reach my goals fast enough. And I am a very ambitious goal setter and I'm really big on lifestyle design. So I think about how I really want to be spending the most abundant life possible. And it's not working my ass off like for 20 hours a day until I'm 85 years old. It's let's get this passive income going. We just set the last day of my husband's job. It'll be three weeks before his 50th birthday, July 31st, 2020. And so, yeah, so he, he works at Expedia. He's worked there for about eight years and I told him this year, that's, I want to give you that gift for your 50th birthday. So that gives me something to really work towards. And then at that point we can do what we want, you know, and I'm doing what I want every day. I love what I'm doing, but I knew that with single family houses, it was just going to take way too long. And this was a way to scale it up. And I will say that syndication is not a walk in the park. It's really not. It's like, it takes a lot of stinking effort. And I don't think it's something that I'm going to be doing in 20 years from now, but I think for the next three to five years, I want to work really hard, get some great deals under my belt, partner with some amazing people. And then when those are ready to be sold off, those assets are ready to be sold off, sell those off. And then I can do more, either buy apartments on my own, hundred percent on my own. Yeah. Yeah. Or do like, you know, maybe it's hard money lending I want to do. Maybe it's something else that's more passive than, than this, because this is a very active so business. So tomorrow, I'm going to challenge you for just a minute. 
What? Can I challenge you? Yes, please. Okay. So I believe everything you're saying so far, and it's been amazing. But yeah. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to challenge you right now. Okay. I <laughs> love big, being challenged. So just do bigger deals, right? I'm telling I you right I'm now. I know I'm going to. Yes. Yeah. You want like just do 100 unit deals. It actually gets, I think it gets easier. So once you go up to you. 100 units plus, you're, it's all now it's all non-recourse, right? I don't, yep. I've not signed personally guaranteed a loan ever, right? Yeah. And then you have staff on site, right? Yeah. Actually, and dude, it just it gets easier. So you've been playing and you've done an amazing job. Like I'm not taking anything away because I think most people don't even start there when they should, right? But yeah. you've got enough success. I mean, I'm like you're there. You're seasoned. Yeah. Yep. Go, like well, just go just, swing a little bigger. <laughs> I did even this last week. Uh, the one of the deals that I lost out on it was a 93 unit, and I yes. this is a 56. And so I'm now feel comfortable to yes. do that. The only thing is, I just don't want, and this is where I go back and forth with myself a little bit. I don't want to have too big of a team, like an internal team that works with me directly, to where I feel like so. You know what I'm saying? Like on the GP. Well, I have two people that work for me. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I own $95 million worth of real estate. I promise. Yeah. Like, yeah. so you can't, because the truth is I have like, so Sarah right here in the back, yeah. she's not there now, but, and um, I have a virtual assistant that just helps do some other little things. Yeah. But really that's, and then everything else is outsourced, right? Yeah. So just yep. like, I mean, I've built my same systems like you. I wanted lifestyle because I wanted to be the big kuna. Yeah. Right. You I mean, I want, I want sunsets. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted sunsets and palm trees from the very beginning. Yeah. You know, yep. a lifestyle is what yeah. we're talking about. That's what yeah. you're talking about. Yeah. And dude, to, to retire your husband. Gosh. Yeah. So let's hear, like, I'm going to show this for people that's watching YouTube. This right here. Okay. So this little thing, this is called our, me and my wife's love journal. This oh. is really neat. So, uh -huh. In it, so instead of writing notes, we write love, uh, like there's a little note there from my wife. I got this uh -huh. today, so that's why I'm sharing it. But uh -huh. um, but all these other pages are all the notes and love notes that we've written to each other, right? Huh. It's a really neat thing. And so in this thing, for about five years, like usually around this time of year, honey, this is the year that I'm going to retire you. This is the year. This is the year. And it went on for like five years in a row until yeah. finally there's an a, a entry in here that says, honey, today is the day. Today is the day. Right? You are no, That's an you are awesome set feeling. Free. Oh my and God. I'm going to tell you that it will change. It's, and, I mean, my wife's been in corporate America all her life, right? So that's yeah. when I went over there, that's my wife's chair. Yeah. It's always <laughs> empty, but she still has one. <laughs> but she has one, just in case. <laughs> yeah. Just in case. But what a great feeling to bring her home so she could be a full time mom, right? And, yeah. you know, and because it's like, that's what we do this business for. Yeah. And so uh, for you to make that goal and to set it and just say it like, boldly and proudly and like this is what i'm gonna do yep and i already know it's done i think we could do it before then oh it'll, ha um, it'll probably happen before yeah it'll probably happen before and then we're gonna go to south africa <laughs> like seriously like that's our trip we're gonna go to south africa take the whole family down there it's gonna be amazing it's gonna be a big celebration well i think you're a testament to exactly what 
multifamily can do to someone that is in the right spot. You changed your mindset. You said, I mean, really, you thoroughly just said, I'm, I'm quitting my job. I'm going to take the reins myself and I'm mm-hmm. the captain of my ship, right? Yeah. And like, I can see it by the smile on your face. <laughs> it's, you know, and it's not been easy, right? It's not been an yeah. easy journey, but it's been probably the most six, fulfilling journey you've ever been on. Last year was the best year of my life. I feel like life is always getting better, but that year where I took that leap and it was kind of scary, it was so rewarding. And it just keeps getting more rewarding because I see the fruits of my labor paying off and that just feels good, doesn't it? Man, it does. Like I I think about just the, the, the journey. So the journey is the reward, Yeah. right? It's not always the easiest. Sometimes it's most not. It's usually the most. Most of the time, it's not very glamorous. Most people don't understand. It's a very lonely job. Would, don't you think? Sometimes, for me, it's lonely. I sit in my office yeah. Yeah. a lot of times, and it can be lonely because I'm not out there and, and like chipping around with all the other people. Yeah. Sometimes, right. I, yeah. I try to stay busy, but when I'm doing actual work, a lot of times it's lonely. Unless I'm, but you know, I'm on the phone all the time. So yeah. But. You know, but it's a lonely business in a way. And, but gosh dang, it's so, but when you get to the other side of like, well, what are we going to do this week? Or let's go on some vacations. Yeah. You get to say yes a lot more. You can say yes a lot more. Yeah. Yep. And then also no. My other favorite word is no. You said you it like earlier. like saying no. I know. Oh, gosh. Yeah. It's That's good. I turned down, I turned down a really big opportunity this year that would have made me a fair amount of cash. And I was like. I said, I said yes at first. And then I went back and I changed my mind and I said, no. And I respected myself so much for that. And I immediately felt so much better because it's so easy to say yes to things. But when you say no, it frees up, frees up your time and space. And it also, it just brings you a little bit more clarity about what's, what's really important to you and what do you want to focus on? And saying no is, it takes a lot of discipline to do that. Amen. Well said. Yeah. Yeah. couple of little uh, takeaways here. Number one, what's your best advice on raising private money? Talk to people all the time and um, ah, just get out there. Go to investing clubs, be on forums, add value to other people. Just talk to people. <laughs> That's the best way I can say it. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, what about and finding deals? Best advice? Finding deals, best advice, find a couple of brokers that you develop great relationships with. Successful brokers. Difference, right? There's a difference there. Yeah. Successful brokers who have a track record, get them to believe in you and your vision and believe in theirs. Well, well said. Tamar, I want to thank you so much for coming on to my podcast. If people want to find you and get, um, and who you are, where do they go? How do, how do we, how we send them to you? Yeah, they can hear about my rantings, not rantings, but my voice at my podcast. It's investingforlifepodcast.com. It's about the entrepreneurship of investing, entrepreneurship, and intentional lifestyle design. And my company website is Marota Group, M-A-R-O-T-A group.com. Oh, man. Listen, thank you so much for spending almost an hour on our podcast. And it went by fast. It went by fast. Oh, my gosh. Um, I, I've really enjoyed it. Like, and listen, I'm going to send you my little uh, the uh, lessons to educate brokers on or educate management companies on or okay. all the questions. Okay. And then, um, 
if you ever want to do big deals, like let's partner on something. Like I'm always trying to find great people just like you because I think you're the type of people that um, I enjoy working with. So go getters, right? Okay. Let's keep that conversation going. We will. All right. Well, thanks for your time, guys. Listen, no matter where you're at in life, if you will start at like focusing just like Tamar did, she made a commitment. She said, today I am, I'm going to achieve something better than I ever thought I could even do myself. Like she just went out there with, with passion and vigor and she did the work and she ultimately is becoming successful. And each and every day she's, she's expanded her goals. Like that is what happens in life. And I believe if you put your mind to it, if you believe it, you can achieve it and your paradise is possible. Amen to that.